0: Hidden in every storybook, upside down and backwards round, tucked within the afterward, lie the secrets, dark and true, that fill the pages of the Book of Scary. Once upon a time, the oldest of times, a time before legends, when the earth had not yet begun its wild revolutions around the great star, but moved slowly as if still discovering its purpose. Once upon this time, there was only north and south. In the north, there was only winter, and in the south, only summer. In the north, even the brightest days were as twilight, while in the south, the midnight moon shared the sky with the sun. The myriad cities of this bright summer hemisphere answered to countless kings. But the North, the North knew only one, a fierce warrior they called the Winterlord. The North had seen its share of princes and kings, but all were destroyed. All were crushed beneath the icy blades of the Winterlord's sleigh. No one knew whence came the warrior in the long, white cloak with hair as black as night, nor was it known when his rise to power began. Yet every man, every woman and child understood that with the thundering of his war-elk's ironclad hooves came destruction, despair, and death most terrible. Some questioned if his men were men at all, and not demons breed from the spits of hell. The Winter Lord's council consisted of only one, a witch woman by the name of Hecate. In the throne room of the Winter Lord's tower, Hecate sat beside him, whispering secrets behind long white fingers. She lurked in the corners of his banquet hall, a white shadow who saw all. And when the Winter Lord went away to battle, Hecate could be seen at the topmost window of the keep muttering strange incantations as the wind screamed through her silver hair. What counsel did the witch give the great warrior that made her so valuable? What could one woman's verses mean to the man who ruled atop the world? Everything, in fact, for though the winter lord possessed strength and battle courage, no man could predict the outcome of the field, but Hecate could. The enemy might hide his hands, but Hecate could count the rings on every finger all the same, and Hecate could break those fingers from a hundred miles away. Her magic, as magic does, came with a price. The price was often cruel to pay. The greater the magic, she would say, the greater the cost. Bring me the hedge of your favorite elk, she might command. And you will crush your enemy before the sun rises. The Winter Lord would do as she asked. Grind your most precious jewels into dust, and there can be no doubt of your victory, she would say, and the Winter Lord would do as she instructed. The sacrifices required of him often gave the Winter Lord cause to hesitate, but for every sacrifice he had made, he had been repaid ten times over. When he remembered this, he would bring Hecate whatever she requested, and thus his rule over the north was secured. And once he had acquired the north, he set his sights upon the south. But victory did not come so easily in the summer lands. He did not understand the terrain. His soldiers were not prepared for the heat, and the sun blinded them. He claimed many cities, to be sure, but for all his power he could not hold them. Soon he was driven back to his frozen fortress, humiliated and enraged. You have handed me many victories and battles past, and all the north is mine, he said to Hecate, but still I have not won the south. No, you have not, agreed Hecate. You know how it can be done, See the Winter Lord, and yet you have not told me why indeed it can be done said hecate and no i have not shared the way with you because as with all things such a way does not come freely and this time the price is surely more than you can pay how dare you presume shouted the winter lord name this price or die where you stand very well said the witch and with a smile she continued find eight children pure of heart their innocence must be certain and while they still live cut out their hearts then bring their hearts to me along with their bones and stain your cloak with their blood the winter lord fell silent at once he had no special love for children but such a sacrifice would surely anger the gods whose punishments were swift and severe Till now we had believed that Hecate's gift came from the gods themselves, but murdering innocence did not align with what he knew of even the North's bloodthirstiest divinities. Said the witch Hecate, with their hearts I can give you unstoppable force. No mountain will impede you, my lord. No army will slow your progress. You will become a legend. And with their blood and bones, asked the winter lord with their blood said Egate, i can give you eternal life and their bones will rise to carry your sleigh from battle to battle traveling through the air with the speed of hell's winds the winter lord thought on this many days seeing no one and speaking not a word by the twelfth day he had reached no conclusion and so decided to seek the wisdom of another there was a priest, a wise man called Jonathan, who lived in a mountain monastery known as the Frost. This priest was said to know all things concerning the gods. If there was any man who could offer true wisdom to the Winter Lord, it was surely Jonathan of the Frost. That day the Winter Lord set out alone in search of the truth, but no sooner had he left his fortress than a new thought crept into his mind. For every sacrifice he had made, he had been repaid ten times over. Surely, he thought, it must follow that the mothers and fathers of the good children he must claim would bear many more children and then forget their grief. They will say it was the will of the gods, the winter lord told himself, and perhaps they will even praise me. This was how the winter lord convinced himself to pay the witch's price. He turned back at once, and thus his fate was sealed. It was no simple matter to find eight truly innocent children, children without insolence or deceit, good-loving children who knew neither spite nor selfishness. But when the winter lord did find them, he ordered them slaughtered in the way the witch had instructed. And then he pillaged and burned the homes of their families. Fear not, he told the grieving, for the gods will repay you. When it was over, the children's bones were gathered into chests. Their blood was splashed over the Winterlord's white cloak, staining it a deep, dark red. Their hearts he collected himself and placed into a sack which he carried over his shoulder, his own heart void of any remorse. You've done well said the witch Hecate upon the Winterlord's return. See how your destiny is written upon the stars. Before the Winterlord's very eyes, Hecate's magic made her promise his truth. He saw the children's bones rise up and reassemble unto all fours like his own elk, the green flames of the underworld emanating from their empty eyes. He sent strange new blood coursing through his veins from his bolstered heart. He felt his own invincibility embrace him from the fibres of his blood-stained cloak. Now go, said Echety, and take what is yours. In this the Winterlord did. He conquered the south as swiftly as he had taken the north. He flew around the world with all the speed of lightning, taking what he wished almost single-handedly. In very little time, all the world one cared to rule belonged to the Winterlord. I am a legend now, he said to himself, and I will be legendary forever. All his desires achieved, the Winterlord had naught to do now but revel in his victories and at long last to sleep. But sleep would not come, for that very night, a visitor hid in the Winterlord's bedchamber, announced only by the odour of decay and a chill no fire could overcome. Who trespasses here? the Winterlord demanded from his bed. A thief? An assassin? Coward, show your face! No assassin lurked in the shadows. No thief watched from the dark. It was only a boy who emerged, a little boy, surely no older than six years. His face was as white as death. Blood ran from a great hole where his nose should have been, where a battle axe had all but cloven his head in dew. The Winter Lord reached for his sword, but it wilted in his hand like a weed. You took our hearts, said the boy in a small and lonely voice. You bewitched our bones, you wear our blood upon your cloak. What is this? snarled the Winterlord. Is this some trick? Who is responsible? I'll have his head. But the boy only repeated those cursed words. You took our hearts, you bewitched our bones, you wear our blood upon your cloak. Begone, begone, I command you, the Winterlord ordered. And yet the boy drew ever nearer, gliding across the stone floor without moving a foot. For the first time in his life, the Winterlord knew fear, and he was paralysed with it. You took our hearts, you bewitched our bones, said the boy, his hands reaching out to the Winterlord in a plea for which there could be no answer. You wear our blood upon your cloak. The Winterlord must have fainted, for in a blink it was morning, and he was blessedly alone. But his relief was quickly replaced with rage. At once he summoned Hecate, demanding the meaning of this spectral visitation. Forgive me, my lord, said the witch, but I have no power over the spirit world. Only that which carried their souls... I can no more dispatch this spirit than I could have summoned it. But I can prepare a sleeping draught for you. Drink it every night, and this wraith will disturb you no more. The winter lord downed the draught that very evening, and waited for the rest that was denied him the night before. But if it came, it provided no barrier against the spirit of the dead boy. Again the child appeared, and again he spoke those wretched words. You took our hearts, you bewitched our bones, you wear our blood upon your cloak. The winter lord pleaded with the ghost, but just as before, the ghost would not be ordered away. This time the winter lord summoned Hecate immediately, but the witch could not be found. She had fled to where no one knew. The Winter Lord's anger burned hot, cooled only by his helplessness. If ever he found the witch, he vowed she would learn the meaning of suffering. The Warrior Lord sought the help of other witches and wizards, but all failed him. And so the ghostly appearances continued, at first only in the night, and then in the day as well. It mattered not if the Winter Lord was alone or in company. The boy was always there. Only the Winterlord saw the dead child, and he saw him everywhere. So pale, so small, blood perpetually streaming from the cavern in his face, sad eyes accusing. In search of distraction, the Winterlord kept himself surrounded always by people. He held grand feasts every day and every night. He grew fat as he consoled himself with food and drink. His once raven-black hair turned white from the strain, and he laughed ho <laughs> ho too loud and too long to hide his terror. There were whispers that the great warrior had gone mad, and at times he believed it himself. All the witches and wizards of the world could not relieve him of this insanity now, but there was one man he had not yet visited a man whose wisdom he nearly heard before the madness and the fear began, before he turned back and the darkness invaded his already shadowed heart. I must see Jonathan of the Frost, said the Winterlord, and this time I cannot falter. The sun had not yet risen when the Winterlord rode his one living elk to the mountain monastery. He told no one he was leaving, nor where he was going. He rode alone,
1: "'a grotesque
0: shade of his former self. "'When he reached the frost, "'the old man was already waiting for him. "'Nicholas,' he said, "'calling the Winter Lord by his true name, "'and at once the Winter Lord fell to his knees and wept. "'You have committed a great sin, Nicholas,' "'said Jonathan of the frost. "'Yes, wise one,' sobbed the Winter Lord, "'and I seek forgiveness.' I wish to put the children's souls at rest. They torment me so. My wine tastes of blood, my food of ashes. Every song I hear is drowned out by their voices, reminding me of what I cannot change. And what would you be willing to do to end this torment? asked Jonathan. I would give up all that I have, said the Winter Lord. I would give up this undying life and live out my remaining days in humility and poverty, and I would be grateful. What need have I for power and wealth now? I am sick with it. I am disease and ermine robes. The Winter Lord had meant his words, but when he looked to the old man for pity, he was met instead with disgust so spat the wise man you would have the gods dig up the seeds you have sown and scatter them to the winds lest you be forced to reap your own bitter crop is that what nicholas the winterlord thinks he deserves the winterlord was stunned fool roared the wise man who was no longer meek elderly jonathan of the frost but a giant with ram's horns and a condor's wings. His gnarled old fingers had turned to great claws, and his eyes burned scarlet. The Winter Lord hid his face from the sight of this terrifying god. Forgive me, O Great One, he cried. Foolish words come from a foolish mouth, but this fool, whatever his words, means only to pay for his crimes. And pale you shall, said the god. The clouds above them darkened, and the snow began to gather with purpose now, echoing the god's wrath. Nicholas the Winter Lord, you will keep these iniquitous gifts granted you by the witch Hecate, said the god. Your eternal life, hell's winds at your back, your undefeated strength. These are yours to bear forever, but you will use them for atonement now, and you will use them for only one night a year. All other days and all other nights you will slumber. This respite I will permit you." "'Thank you, Great One!' sobbed the Winterlord. But the terrible god had no interest in gratitude." He continued. On your single night of life, each and every year, you will travel the world in your ill-begotten slay. Because you murdered innocent children for these gifts of yours, you will now give gifts to innocent children. They will adore you for it and sing songs of you. But take care, Nicholas, lest your pride again outgrow the confines of your skull. Know this. All the children who adore you now will grow old and forget you. You will be a legend to them and nothing more. This is surely fairer than I deserve, said the Winter Lord. But what of the Wicked Ones, Great One? It is not yet as late for them as it is for me. They must be shown what can become of their evil. The god reached down and plunged his mighty hand into the Winter Lord's chest. Extracting a small piece of his heart, it was black with rot, and as hard as coal. Leave them a warning, said the god, and he tossed the hardened remnant at the Winterlord's feet. But there is one more thing. Suddenly there appeared beside the Winterlord his very own sleigh, his team of eight bone elk at the ready. The sight of it sickened the warrior. But then the god breathed upon his fingers, and the dreaded elk of children's bones collapsed into eight neat piles, awaiting burial, never to stir again. In their place stood the ghost of the eight murdered young ones, and at the front of these was the boy with the bloodied face, who had haunted the winter lord so relentlessly. They will stay with you, said the god. They will guide you and ensure that you never again cause pain it is their wish. Pillars of snow enveloped the spirits at once, and when it left them the Winter Lord saw they had become majestic reindeer. They were beautiful creatures to behold, and all their injuries were healed. The head of this team wore upon his nose a ruby that glistened as bright as the moon itself. These eight watched the Winter Lord with dark eyes that had seen all his evils and would see them again if he dared to stray. Such is your price, said the god who had returned to the form of the wise old man. Do you agree to pay it? Or will you return to your fortress and live out your eternity in all your wealth but with madness and torment? I will pay it agreed the fallen warrior, without hesitation, and I will pay it ten times over. And then Nicholas, no longer the winter lord, wept tears of joy. For one night a year he would be forgiven, for one night of every year, forever and evermore, he would be permitted sainthood. But what of the witch Hecate? What became of the sorceress who fled the Winter Lord when faced with what magic could not overpower? No one knows for certain, though it is said that her gift was lost to the four winds when Nicholas accepted the god's punishment. Now, the story goes, the once revered Hecate is now merely a hag who wanders the earth mourning her lost magic. Some say She collects the discarded teeth of children, leaving gold pieces in their place. It is said she grinds the teeth into dust in the hopes of restoring the glory she once knew, but of course she will never succeed.